Hi everybody, this is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today I'm joined by Dr. Peter Haberl. Peter is the senior sports psychologist for the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee. I'm really excited to have him back on the show today because he's a friend and someone that I hold in very high regard. He's also one of the leading authorities on mindfulness, and mental performance. In this episode, he explains how to develop psychological flexibility to take committed actions anchored in values and not in emotions. In addition, he describes why attention is the currency of performance and how to prepare mentally for pressure situations. So now it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Peter, it's a pleasure to have you on the blueprint today. you're one of my favorite people to talk to. You always bring something enlightening to my life. So today I want to ask you about psychological flexibility. What is it? And then what role does it play in our decision-making processes? Uh, Eric, it's great, great to be here with you. Um, and thanks for your kind words. So psychological flexibility is this, this ability to be in the present moment to notice what is present, what's going on in my mind, what thoughts are present, what feelings are present, to be open to those thoughts and feelings, um, and then to ground ourselves in the here and now and take actions guided by our values. So when I talk about being aware of thoughts and feelings, uh, our mind basically works as a thought and emotion producing factory. So all day long, these factories producing thoughts and feelings, and really to 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 inform us, to guide us, right? But when we become psychologically rigid, then these thoughts and feelings control our behavior rather than inform our behavior. And as we look at decision makings, making, then then we tend to make poor poor decisions. Um, so this is where, where this idea of flexibility is so helpful, right? I can be aware of what thoughts and what feelings are present, and then I can use that information uh, to guide my behavior rather than have that information control my behavior. Um, this way, I'm, I'm no longer a, a prisoner to my emotions, uh, but I, I use them in an effective way. You say that you can take action using your values. What are values? Well, the way, the way we define values here in psychology is values are desired global qualities of ongoing actions. Um, that's kind of a mouthful, right? <laughs> um, so, so let's break this down a bit. Goals are about what we want to get. So goals are about the future. Values are about how we want to be in in this moment, right? So desire, we choose our values. They don't come from outside. That's where they're different from rules. Rules are imposed from outside. Values are freely chosen. We choose our values. And then this idea of a global quality of action, right? So so how, how do I want to be? Let's, let's take an, a sport example. Let's say I, I want to be an ice hockey player, right? What are some qualities of actions that I can bring to being an ice hockey player? Well, I can be focused. I can be intense. I can be competitive. 
uh, I can be engaged, right? Those are, those are qualities of actions I bring to an activity. Um, and values are like a direction where goals are a destination. Mm. Once I get to the destination, I can check it off. I'm done with it. A value I really can't check off, right? Because it, it's, it's, a, it's a direction. It's not a destination. So if being psychologically flexible means I can contact the present moment, I can be aware of my thoughts and emotions and what are what's actually happening in my brain, this thought and emotion producing factory. Once I'm aware, how do I link my awareness to the values that I believe in to move forward? Like, well, how do you link those things? Well, for me, like, you know, in the role that I work in, like the Olympic sports, mm -hmm. right? So, so picture an athlete getting ready for, for an Olympic final, right? So as you get ready for that final, there's a very, very good chance of thoughts and feelings will come up. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a, there's a very good chance uncomfortable thoughts and feelings will come up. Uh, very unpleasant thoughts and feelings. Um, partly because the outcome of that competition hasn't been decided yet. And that outcome matters greatly to you, right? So as those uncomfortable feelings come up, they have the potential to hijack your attention. Now, I hold that attention is the currency of performance, right? So as an athlete, for me to perform well, I need to be in charge of my attention, first and foremost. Yet these uncomfortable thoughts and feelings have the potential to hijack my attention. Um, so when I want to contact this present moment, I want to be aware of those thoughts and feelings. I want to be aware of they can hijack my attention. And then with that awareness, it creates a space to take charge of my attention and then to take an action guided by my values, right? So at the games, athletes, they're competitors. They want to compete. Mm -hmm. Even though in that moment, the mind might say, you know, get out of here. This is so uncomfortable right now as you wait for the gun to go off or whatever it might be. High performance isn't just for elite athletes or billionaires with unlimited resources. In my newsletter adaptation, I provide simple and efficient high performance tools and resources you can use to unlock your potential. And when you sign up, you'll receive my ultimate sleep cheat sheet, a simple guide to optimizing your sleep. So sign up now at www.ericcorum.com. Now back to the show. It's super interesting. I competed in a, uh, Masters Jiu-Jitsu World Championship in the fall, my wife and I both. And I don't think she'd mind me sharing this. Both of us had very uncomfortable... This is the first time as a competitor that I felt this way. And um, my wife actually had a huge adrenaline dump after the first meet, after the first match she won, but she was just exhausted. Um, Like, there's nothing like these pinnacle moments. How do you ramp up for those things like you know what i'm saying it's hard it's like it's it's easy in thought and practice but like how do you prepare for that moment because you're going to feel things you've never felt before but is there a way to scale up this process so that you are prepared does that make sense so you have the confidence to to shift out of that to making taking action um well i think one way to prepare yourself for an event like that is going in is to be open 
for this flood of emotions that are going to come up mm-hmm. that you may not have experienced before that are super uncomfortable. Again, coming back to Olympic Games, right? This is an event that happens every four years. It's very often an event that happens once in a lifetime for an athlete. I mean, there's some that get to go again, but those they're 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 the exception, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a once in a lifetime lifetime event. Um, and and can I just be open to um, the arrival of unpleasant emotions? Uh, and one a challenge there is 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 that you know there's some myths out there in my field. Um, that in order to be successful, you have to be cool, calm, and collected. Uh, and I actually, actually, I disagree with that. To me, that is a, is, is indeed a myth, uh, uh, because uh, you know was, uh, I've had the privilege now to work with many athletes at the games. And again, in that moment, right before you compete for that medal, you're not going to be cool, calm, and collected, and that's just fine. That's just fine. Mm. So, so part of the preparation, again, to come back to your question, right? And the example of your wife is, is can I be open to that? And, and then, you know, the, you, you're sort of um, referencing a combat sport example, which I assume you know, yeah. it is, right? Where you go against somebody. Mm-hmm. That's going to trigger some really primal emotions, I think. Yeah, right? survival. It's survival, exactly, right? So, so, so and, and that alerts us to... Um, the functionality of these emotions, right? So, so I'm interested in the function of an emotion rather than the form. Mm. Right? So, so you talk about this adrenaline rush your wife had, and then she jumped afterwards, right? But the function of that rush is to get ready to be in the present moment, because basically, you know, you're fighting for your life here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that that's 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 the your organism's way to prepare you for this. If then, though, I think I shouldn't be feeling this way, I should be confident and I should ooze that feeling of confidence and that feeling isn't present, I'm going to be in trouble. As opposed to this is energy, I'm getting ready for a fight and this energy will actually help me narrow my attention on the opponent. Hmm. So what about like in regular life, you know, off of a mat or out of a pool when you're facing difficult situations, is the same rules apply? Like maybe it's a work situation or a family situation um, where the outcome is uncertain, but it's also important? Uh, well, this is where, where psychological flexibility comes in. Right. Right. And again, this idea of understanding how the mind works because uh, we have you know, what's called cave man or cave woman mind. So we have inherited a mind from our ancestors um, that had to constantly scan for threats to one's being. When you're out in the savannah trying to gather some berries, you have to be watch out for that tiger that might come and eat you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, in... In a work setting, in a work setting, there's no tiger out there that's going to eat you. But our mind is still primed to look for those threats. And now those threats are more towards our ego, our sense of self, right? What our sense of self is being threatened. And that triggers the same reaction, basically, right? The same threat perception 
Um, and then again, can I notice what my mind is doing in this moment? Can I be okay with my mind doing that? And then again, use that to my advantage, right? Mm. This is so brilliant. So you, it's just, it's an awareness. It's connecting that awareness and understanding that I have these emotions and connecting that to the values that I, that make up who I am to then take action. Would yeah, I- so, 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 so coming back to this question of values, right, is uh, one way to, to answer or clarify that is just the question of what do I want to stand for right now, mm-hmm. right? So, so let's take a situation uh, as a parent, right, with, with a child, maybe a teenager. Let's say the teenager is somewhat rebellious. And as, as the parent, you know, the emotions are firing up, Right. So can I be aware of, okay, here's this emotional storm right now and it's trying to control my behavior. Now, can I come back to how do I want to be in my case as a father and how I want to carry myself right now? So if I, if, I, if I can tap into that that awareness and that knowledge of my values, then that will guide my behavior irrespective of what the emotions are doing in the moment. I love it. Peter, thank you so much for your time today. This has been a wonderful conversation. I appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me, Derek. If you found today's podcast insightful and you want to support the show, would you please consider leaving us a review and a comment in the Apple Podcast app, as this is one of the best ways to help us share the message of The Blueprint. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.